Hello, readers. John Christ is a comedian who has been spreading his comedy on stage and online for more than a decade. Earlier this year, he put out his first stand-up special on YouTube titled, What Are We Doing? And he just published his first book, Delete That, and Other Failed Attempts to Look Good Online. John, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? Hey, good to be here, my man. Good to be here. Excited to uh, have a chat with you. Likewise, and if uh, Wikipedia's math is correct, you're only uh -oh. 38 years old. So why is now a good time for you to write a memoir? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, I don't know if you consider it a memoir. Wikipedia uh, is correct, by the way. There's a lot of things uh, Wikipedia is not correct on, but I am 38. Uh, it, it is a, uh, it's kind of a story. It's a story of my life in a lot of ways. But in relation to, uh, you know, kind of how the world is today and my and my reflections in and kind of putting a mirror uh, up to everything that I see in the world. And there, there, there's a lot of stories about me in there, but it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of observations about the world and just looking around at all the funny things that are uh, happening through it from my perspective. So, yeah, I don't know if you call, I don't know if it'll. How, how, how did it get into the memoir category? Did you did you put it there? Or did someone say that? Um, I don't know. I read a lot of books. I feel like there's enough of your personal story that's being told that yeah. uh, it can be considered a memoir. I don't consider it an autobiography because you're not 80 or you haven't oh, yeah. uh, you haven't just died after having written it. But uh, yeah, it tells, uh, tells a chunk of your life. <laughs> well, is it what's the what is the what's the definition of a memoir? Well, we would have to look that one up. I think it yeah. uh, I think it has to do with uh, you, you telling uh, you telling the story of a portion of your life. Yeah. And 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 oftentimes it uh, has to do with and this isn't necessarily the case for you, although you do. We all have our own traumas, but oftentimes it has to do with a serious trauma and just yep. how you've dealt with that going forward. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah, 100 percent. I I, uh, I definitely qualify that. Well, and you uh, have a, a pretty unique upbringing. It's not often that I get to speak with somebody who maybe has a, a stricter religious upbringing than I did. My family yep. and I went to church about five times a week when I was a kid. And fortunately for me, that stopped in middle school when uh, one of my uh, Bible study teachers tried to make me do push-ups for not uh, taking the lesson seriously enough. But that pales yep. in comparison to, uh, to being one of eight siblings growing up in small-town Georgia Dad is the pastor of the town. You guys are homeschooled. There's yeah. not a TV in the house. Uh, your great grandparents, I believe, were Amish. Your grandparents were Mennonite, and your yep. parents had evolved to the point where uh, there were certain uh, certain allowances that you guys had. But the no TV thing, John, I have to say, I'm very jealous of. I've got an eight and six year old right now, yeah. and the screen issue is just a nonstop battle for us. Yeah. So Thinking back on that, what was that like for you guys, you know, not having certain luxuries that a lot of other kids were used to back in the, the 1990s and the late 80s? Um, all right. Well, yeah, I guess looking at the, now through the lens of, of what we know now, I, I wasn't. Um, I feel same with the homeschooling, same with the, the religious upbringing, like there's a lot of obviously when there's human beings involved, it's not going to be perfect, but there, there, I do, I am a lot of that stuff I am proud of, or, or at least proud that my parents kind of took a stand there. I mean, there's a lot of like, I go, you know, maybe the, the, we had some of this, this funny, tell me that story about the push-ups, like 
we got I got similar stories about that stuff like that or or uh, the homeschooling or uh, certainly the the watching of television. I remember we would rent. Hmm. It's funny because the Atlanta Braves are in the playoffs now. Every time the Atlanta Braves were in the World Series, we would actually rent a TV. Like, which, is a, which is a lot in the 1990s. Which is, a, and then you know how big a TV was back then? It's not like it is now, dude. It's like you had to get like almost a forklift and to get a TV <laughs> to your house. But we would just kind of, and you, we would only allowed to be, I remember like we were only allowed to watch the game, right? And even in like the commercials, we kind of had to, we had to like time it. And then we would turn the TV off during the commercials, which is like, again, Looking back on it, you go, that is wild that we actually did that. But but we're pretty still, um, obviously, we're, I'm not Amish. We don't live in that community. I live in Nashville, obviously. But we do spend a, a, a still spend a portion of time around that community. And what's funny, the Amish community, if you don't know anything about them, no electricity, of course, no uh, cell phones, nothing modern, like anything after any technology after like 1960 they literally don't use which i remember being back amongst them for christmas last year my sister-in-law goes aren't they jealous or don't you think they look at me with makeup and eyeshadow and mascara and getting a haircut and on a cell phone we're all living next to each other like don't you don't they wish they had it like me and my aunt who's close in that community still is like no like hmm. and you look at like our i don't know how we got off on this tangent but like our rates of like depression and and people not being happy is like it's there we're we have all these things but we're not happy with them you know so like they don't really envy us and like maybe like like obviously you doing push-ups for learning bible verses like wasn't the way but now you have children and you're like well, we should have some moral code around the house. I think like, like maybe like either no cursing or no, like we, sh we, there should be some framework of order here somehow. And then everybody's good trying to, especially if you're Christians or of my age, you're trying to figure out what parts of it do you want to keep and what parts of it are you not going to keep? And that's what a lot of the book is about drinking or things like that like all of our i don't drink anymore but all of my siblings drink but my parents would never have never touched a sip of alcohol in their lives you know and it's one of those things where it really is to each their own yeah and uh you're somebody who who really talks about coping with failure especially once you uh, got into the public school system uh you didn't make a basketball team at one point you talk about getting declined when you asked a girl to prom your senior year oh hey i didn't know you were going to get in all the way into this in my in my into my trauma i read the book my man but uh but the but the point of it is is that those little failures as much as they hurt in the moment because we all go through those things i think probably and correct me if i'm wrong here did a good job of preparing you for what your career is and stand-up wow. comedy especially early on it's like playing baseball, where if you get three hits out of every 10 times, you're considered a potential Hall of Famer. Going to the Hall I mean, of Fame, yep. You fail a lot when yeah. you are learning how to be a stand-up comic. And I think it, I'm guessing that for you, some of those failures you dealt with as a kid probably 
helped you to better cope with it as you were a young adult trying to make it in the world of standout. Yeah. 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 Failure is, is, is the fear. Like I, I always tell people all the time, like, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to decide right now, you want to be a doctor, uh, you got to go to college. You got to go to pre-med. You got to go to med school. You got to take the test. You got to go to residency. You got to, so in 10 years, if you pass all the things, they'll give you a certificate and say you are now a doctor in comedy. Hmm. It'll take about the same amount of time to be proficient at it, but you will be introduced as such tonight. So if you decided you want to be a comic, uh, you, you would go to the local bar or whatever. And they go, our next comic is trailing. And you'd be like, I've never done comedy before, but here we are. And so like, but the only say like, well, why wouldn't everybody do it then? Why wouldn't everybody be a comedian? It's a pretty fun job. And the only barrier to entry is fear. It's so scary to the, for the first time you ever go up on stage. And I talk about stories about this in the book. It's so scary to go up there for the first time. I remember, I mean, throwing up before I remember talking to the lady, I said, I think I want to do it. And she was like, uh, all right. And she looked at the schedule and kind of said, uh, June 23rd, 2009. And then uh, it took me about a couple months to get up the courage to do it. I, I remember not sleeping well, uh, throwing up in the green room. But it's it's so scary. But it's a perceived fear. And I think the same as, uh, you know, asking a girl to prom. What is the fear? Um you know, the Mount Everest, there's a, there's a real fear. You, you could lose oxygen. It's dangerous. You could fall like, like asking a girl to prom is a, is a different kind of fear. Definitely. Some would say it's scarier, but I mean that those types of situations happen to all of us. And then we realize, I mean, going through everything I went through in my personal life, I don't, I don't know what much you could be, what you could be scared of now. I mean, I always I said in the book that I, I looked the devil in the eye as much as from a religious standpoint. I mean, pretty close to it. And now people would chirp off about me on the Internet or they don't like one of my jokes or they're offended at something. I go, hey. All good, man, all good. I It doesn't bother me now. It's good that you can allow it to roll off of your back. And uh, I am a big fan of the art form of stand-up. And I've heard some comedians talk recently about really getting into the profession early on as they were still trying to get their legs under them, mm -hmm. receiving a sort of affirmation from somebody who had made it that really yeah. helped to continue to fuel their desire to figure out how to make it as well. Yeah. Do you have that moment in your career where where you were an up and comer struggling, trying to figure it out, and somebody who had made it gave you some positive words that really helped you out? Uh yeah. I, well, I got I got several of those moments. That's funny you'd ask. I mean, I was uh, so you come up in your local comedy scene. Mine was Denver, Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, and you know they had some some decent comics that were like once you get to a certain, a certain level you, you you start to go on the road right so you you work your way up through the local comedy scene and then somebody in you know wyoming or albuquerque is like come down and do a show down here so the only comic that was touring the road at the time 
from Denver was a guy named Josh Blue. And Josh Blue had one last comic standing, I remember, a couple years before that. And he would, every time he would come down to the local, like, open mic night, it was, like, a big deal. Like, Josh is here. Hey, Josh is here. Like, you know, try to do your best or something like that. And I would always, always, they told me, like, I looked up his tour schedule. And he was actually, I live in Nashville now, which is funny. He was going to Zanies in Nashville. And I knew his booking agent because he kind of lived uh, in in right around the area. So I emailed, I go, hey, I will fly out myself. I will put myself in a hotel. All I want to do is open for Josh Blue on the road. And they were kind of like, all right, sounds good. Like they didn't really know why I would want to do that. Or why they go, all right, yeah, sure. If you're going to pay for yourself and all right, good. And then I remember going on stage right before him and I got off stage and there's like three little steps to come down off the stage to go outside. And he was coming up and he just looked at me and I crushed, like I just crushed so hard. And he goes, welcome to show business. Hmm. And I thought that I thought I was so like, I mean, you're getting, I'm getting paid like a hundred bucks a night and I'm featuring at a local comedy club. It's not, not even close to show business, but he was correct in in where you go, oh, you just did something that that not a lot of people can do in front of an audience that's not yours. And he witnessed it to some level, shook my hand and said, welcome. I don't even know if he would remember that if I were to bring it back up to him now, but uh, definitely a transformational moment. Yes. Part of your evolution as a comic in Denver included attending a comedy boot camp taught by the late, great Louis Anderson. Yeah. At the end of this class, Louis made an unbelievably generous offer that you ended up taking him up on. What exactly mm -hmm. happened? Uh, so we were kind of, I, he said, well, he said to everybody in the class, he goes, Hey, I have a residency out in Las Vegas. Um, if you guys are ever in the area, feel free to come by my show. And he said it kind of like tongue in cheek wise, or I look back at the Josh blue stories of exactly the same. Like it's kind of inappropriate to email his agent and say, can I open for him? I mean, it's not, it's, it's, ball just, it's ballsy ballsy. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I used to write a letter to, I think I wrote this in the book too. I wrote a letter to Conan every month. I wrote a, a physical handwritten letter to Conan O'Brien because I wanted to be on Conan at the time. And Adam Carolla was another favorite comic of mine. And I would write him a letter once every month. And I just had a URL on my website. It's like johnchriscomedy.com slash Corolla or johnchriscomedy slash Conan where I had a clip there that they could go watch. But it's like very out of the box thinking and the same with Louis. Louis goes, hey, if you ever come in Vegas, come by my show. And I was like, everyone else was like, well, he doesn't really mean it. And I go, well, I'm I'm doing it. <laughs> and I remember literally booking a, well, maybe I didn't book the, maybe I didn't book a flight. But what I said was, I emailed him and say, hey, I'm going to be in Vegas. I looked up his schedule, obviously. I'm going to be in Vegas next Tuesday, Wednesday can I come by your show? And I was sitting in my office in the, like working a nine to five job and like as a marketing assistant, 
sitting at a table, not even a desk, like at a folding table with a chair working on this computer. And I got an email and he's Louis Anderson said, sounds good. Do you want to do 10 minutes? And I, and the same thing with the Josh blue, like my, my mind was just, I mean, I got up out of the office and just ran around the parking lot. I remember just like being overjoyed and I, yeah, I mean, I remember the stand up. I mean, it, it was de- I held my own. I, I knew I belonged there, but it wasn't groundbreaking. But the, I can point to 20 of those stories that the stuff like that happened. Now, these days, if somebody DM'd me like every day asking to open up for me, I'd probably block them and I'd probably be annoyed by that. So I guess I was very, uh, I did, did it, did whatever I could to succeed, but I don't know. If I necessarily, I recommend the working hard, but not the uh, maybe annoying people as much as I did. <laughs> you also admit that when you started performing in comedy clubs early in your career, that you were afraid to talk about your own spirituality and your experiences within the church. Why is that? And what ultimately changed your mind on that? Uh, well, I think I think I I lived a maybe very uh, unique life that not a lot of people knew. I was wrong, but I thought a lot of, not a lot of people knew about. So, like, again, not growing up with the TV. Like, let's say you grew up with the TV, grew up with video games, all this stuff. Like, even your experience is not similar to mine. Like, you get it. You'd be like, all right, he didn't have a TV. That means he didn't know about stuff. That means he didn't watch The Simpsons. Like, and it's the same thing with the with a a lot of I have a lot of jokes about the Bible and growing up in church and my dad being a pastor and all these type of things. And I thought I think I got I got some bad advice from an agent uh at the very beginning. Like I I was a pretty decent comedian. Um, but he said, if you ever want to sell any tickets, if you ever want your name on the marquee at the theater, I mean, again, this was in the 2010, 11, 12 era. He's like, you're going to need to be in a movie. You're going to need to be in a movie or a television show so people can know about you. And then, but that was, and then I started kind of like, making these videos on the internet and these videos were like for a very specific sect of people that like uh like i made a joke about how um if bible characters had iphones right so it was like david is like i don't know there's like this guy named goliath he's like he's like been tweeting at us like all day he's down in the field like i for some reason i thought that everyone else didn't know what that was or they didn't understand that life but if you look at you know, the the, the cross section of America, 70% of people would identify as a Christian. Now, whether that's practicing or not, uh, at least the traditional sense, uh, but everyone knows about uh, Jesus. This guy had 12 disciples. Uh, there's a story called Noah's Ark. There's uh, David and Goliath. Uh, Christians that if they if you don't know anything about it they gather on sunday mornings and they go to these things called churches and there's one on every block in this country and these people are traditionally 
would be traditionally more conservative politically. And they like you go, you don't like it's like similar if I went to a black comedy show or I went to a, a LGBTQ comedy show, like I wouldn't get the 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 like inner workings of the jokes, but I would get it. I would be like like so i've been to like a lot of black comics that i've toured with like i don't specifically get the way that they grew up but if they if i'm sitting in the show 90 95 uh, percent of the context i understand and that's similar to what I, so i was pretty much an expert in this topic of evangelical southern ish christianity uh chick-fil-a dad being a pastor so i started talking about that and that was when my career kind of took off because everybody was like, this guy is speaking a language that I've never heard before, especially from a comedian. And I think in the 2009 to 2019, that kind of era, no one else was really making fun of Christianity from the inside. Like people were obviously critical of Christianity, meaning I grew up as a Christian. I don't identify as a Christian anymore. And I am kind of pointing fingers at it and saying, look how silly or arrogant or ignorant these people are. And I, the first time I ever had a viral video, I remember all the comments being like, is this guy a Christian? Because that's what the whole debate was. Because if I was a Christian, that's the funniest video I've ever seen in my life. But if I'm not a Christian, that's wildly offensive. And we still, I mean, 12 years later, we're still kind of walking the same line, which is like the very, very traditional Christian people are, have been offended in the past. A small minority of people have been like, I can't believe he's making a joke about this. But obviously, we're selling a lot of tickets and we got a lot of followers and, and uh, the sold out shows from coast to coast is that people are like, man, this is help hilarious and helpful in me coping with my own religious upbringing, or like you said, even trauma in some levels. It sounds like you had a little bit of the uh, Stephen Colbert bit back when Colbert was on comedy central and actually funny where people didn't know <laughs> if that was a character Yep. Or if that's really how he felt about things. That was part of the brilliance of it. And that was that was the um like it's funny because like politically, like the alt the I would say the not the right, but maybe the the the, the alt-right is what I would call um they 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 call me every day <laughs> to be on their shows, to be on their podcast, to um be on their networks and and i i would say in general if i had to choose a side i would i would probably be conservative but a lot of the the, the a lot of the movement i think is also is 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 uh hurtful or not helpful to the discourse of the country and the growth it's very divisive but like the stephen colbert thing is like hey i'll my kind of thoughts will kind of maybe bleed through in my in my comedy and in my stand up but i never like kind of reveal my hand i make fun of you know the the 
people that are too progressive, but I also make fun of people that are too conservative in my show. And that I think is a healthy balance. I've been to a couple of those, like, uh, those like alt-right, like, uh, conferences or whatever, like not, I didn't speak at them. I wasn't on the program, but I like just have been, cause I've been invited. And there's been like a couple personalities that are like ingrained in that movement that are just, they've kind of like brought me aside a little bit and like whispered they're like hey don't like don't go all the way in over here because once you are you can't go back and i thought these are people from that, that are on the inside of it that have kind of taken a very aggressive stance on either uh, vaccines i mean i'll i'll make jokes about getting the vaccine of course at my show but once you go once you kind of double down on either side, the left or the right, like that was what's, what was brilliant about Colbert is that there was a topic and you didn't really know what side he was going to be on. You didn't know what side he was going to take. And that's the brilliance of a lot of comics today. I would say Chappelle. I would say, um, I would say Bill Burr. Um, and even some of the, the younger comics in a, Andrew Schultz and maybe a Tim Dillon. I'd like to put myself in that category, uh, maybe a little bit presumptuously, but to say we don't know, that's a unique take. I never thought about, I didn't know what, but there's, once you kind of ingrain yourself with an ideology, then you kind of have to go with the company line. And because if you step out of line with it, then you're going to lose your fan base, you know? So the comics, if they're doing what they should be doing, it kind of got to got to be honest to both sides a little bit, you know. I'm glad you just mentioned Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr because those two guys are arguably two of the best of this generation of stand-up comics. Dave Chappelle, the best in my opinion. Bill Burr, not far behind. Yep. I'm gonna have to ask you a bit of a Sophie's Choice question right now, though, John, because Bill obviously did his most recent stand-up special at Red Rocks. Yep. Went there for the first time back in May. It exceeds the hype. Now, I went yeah. and saw a uh, music show, but I can imagine a comedy show is pretty cool as well. So the Sophie's Choice question is this, which is a cooler moment in your career, opening for Dave Chappelle or performing at Red Rocks? Oh, man, that is a great question. Uh, I would say... Uh, the Dave Chappelle moment. I mean, because I, I did the audio book about a month ago or something like that. I think the book is, is available now on uh, audio. But I remember, you know, re I read all those stories again that I wrote and I and I read that Dave Chappelle story and I got chills reading it and I was there. And it just just the the moment of them coming it's kind of a, another kind of josh blue type rite of passage type moment where they go hey dave chappelle's here and you i mean i i mean i'm 38 dude i grew up on the chappelle show we would kind of like i didn't have it when i was in high school but when i got to college is when the chappelle show came out and it was kind of like I went to a Christian university. It was kind of like, I don't know what the better analogy is, but like passing around, like it was like illegal drugs. Like <laughs> we had these DVDs and this guy, our buddy Johnny, 
came in. He's like, yo, I got these like DVDs. And we kind of had to like lock the door and like look to see if the RA was around and we would watch them. And we were like just in awe of of the things he was saying and how funny it was and how especially being a, a white kid from the south how much of that resonated with us and we were like dude this is unbelievable we would quote we would walk around quoting the whole thing all the time and in my life you know starting as a comic i would never realize think i would ever meet him or ever anything and 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 dave Chappelle, if you ask who john christ is i don't know if he would say he would know who i was but i got the chance i was hosting an open mic night and he showed up and the GM of the club was like, hey, Dave is here. Can you do some time in front of him? And I was like kind of just starting to come in as a comedian, like starting to be able to kind of be comfortable on stage. And I ended up probably doing I don't know, five, 10 minutes or something. And then they gave me the light in the back of the room, meaning like, hey, wrap it up. Dave's here. And I'm I mean, I'm five feet from the curtain. And I'm just like, my heart's beating out of my chest, dude. I go, all right, Dave Chappelle is apparently, I haven't seen him, but apparently behind that curtain. <laughs> and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Chappelle. And he came around the corner and it was like, he, he I remember had a fifth of vodka in his hand and a pack of, and he was smoking a cigarette. And that was just so like, I'm breaking the rules or something like that. I was just, I just thought as a young comic, I thought that was so, it was like, so I, I'm actually go back after this call. I'm going to go back in my Instagram. Cause I think I've posted that. I'm going to have to go back and find it. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I was at a uh, comedy show here at cap city a, a month or two ago. Yep. There was somebody who was clearly newer to stand up and she wasn't, she didn't have the crowd the crowd just wasn't with her she was telling yeah. some funny jokes here and there but it just it wasn't working but she was she was uh serving as the mc for jeff ross that night yep and she literally said that before she introduced jeff ross is like yep thank you guys sorry it didn't go any better having <laughs> said that this is literally one of the best days of my life because i get to introduce this next comic mm -hmm. here is jeff ross and that yep. was cool to get to see that you know, while she's taking her lumps, as she tries to figure it out and yep. turn into a paid regular or somebody who actually gets to to tour opening for somebody else or eventually turning into a headliner, that that was one of those huge moments for her, too. Yeah. And, and you got to I tell everybody, I mean, anybody in comedy, definitely, but anybody in any profession like I was like I was like very early on i i remember maybe three shows in somebody goes i mean because all the comics are are there and they book all the other comedy shows in town i would say maybe less than maybe four shows in somebody goes hey do you want to come be at, on my show i have a show on tuesday nights over at this other bar across town would you like to come over and be on my show? And and that's like a a very very early on like signal that like hey someone is like 
interested in this or somebody they don't think you're good but they go hey they they invited you over to their thing and then i remember doing like an open mic night at a chili's it was literally at a chili's and like i talk about this in the show and after like um seven or eight comics go on then we went to this other show and then the winner won uh either their admission or you had to pay 10 bucks to get there. You either won 10 bucks or you won a bar tab or a beer or something. And I remember I won. And again, this is 10 shows in maybe 12 shows in. And so they're there. And then of course, you know, now where you're getting, you know, awards or your, your videos are going viral or you're selling out shows or your agent is calling and saying, Hey, they want to put you on uh, uh, Good Morning America or whatever. There should be some, you might not be successful, but there should be some affirmation very, very early on that you're, that, that you're, you're, you're good at it or that people like it. So like, you know, if you, if you want to be a writer, somebody goes, Hey, this is pretty good. Can you help me? uh craft a bio for my uh website oh this is pretty good do you mind it can you look over the copywriting uh for this brochure and money and success and i think that'll come over time but you know graphic design you'd be like hey you design like if you put up something that you designed on instagram i don't care if you have a hundred followers and say if anyone needs graphic design let me know if somebody says hey i like that could you help me with my whatever like there should be affirmations all along the way money of course and financial affirmations will come much later but any any career or vocation that you do set your mind to i believe if you are proficient at it there will be like i've asked comics all the time that are like i can't I'm not getting booked. I'm not, I go, hey, hey, is anyone like, does anyone DM you after the show and go, hey, I liked that? Or, you know, like every comic, every bar or comedy show, you could go to the bartender and get a list of who's on the show. Who was that third comic that had that joke about whatever? If you went to Cap City, you don't, I don't, you don't know that woman's name, but you could go find it. If you say, I really liked her jokes, I want it like there should be some affirmations along the way. And, and the book obviously is is uh, full of stories like that and and uh, uh, whatever the opposite of affirmations are times when it didn't go well. It's uh, you pouring your heart onto these pages. And I think the end result is uh, well worth the price of admission. He is John Christ. The new book is Delete That and other failed attempts to look good online. Also make sure to check out his uh, stand-up special. It's out now via YouTube, so it's free to watch. It's called What Are We Doing? Very funny. John, thank you so much for the time today. Hopefully this isn't the last opportunity you and I have a, a chance to speak. Absolutely, Trey. Thank you so much, my man. Thank you too, Gentleman Jesus, for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. And thanks to you for checking us out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at BooksOnPod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.